Lord, as I ask Katherine Johnson to come up. For you have called, been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed." For who, for you, were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you, Catherine. As you are finding your seats, if you need a Bible, we haven't actually asked this in a while, but if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We're going to be in God's Word today, taking a bunch of notes. Hopefully, you guys will uh, enjoy your, your spiritual workout that we're going to start today. I want to start with a story. I was really debating whether or not to share this. Um, in my life, I have been challenged numerous times to be authentic, most recently to be transparent by my brother Mark. Um, and with many of you in the church here, the things that I'm going to say, you have to know up front that my family already knows all about, right? So these are important things. When people look over and they go, do the kids know about this? I want to share something personal and important because it relates to what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, as I said earlier, taking a resolution and making it a regimen or a routine and what those routines look like. So I had the, the privilege to be the oldest of four boys growing up. I got to be the first to do everything, the first person to lead our family in sports, the first person to go to college in my family. I also was the first of our four boys to discover an addictive personality of alcohol. So I struggled from age 17 when I went to college. Age 17 until January 27th, 2017 with alcohol addiction and abuse. And it was really, really profound. Um, not drinking every single moment of every single day, but certainly my focus was never to glorify God. And you got to remember this time frame I'm a leader in our church. I'm honoring God with my lips, right? What's my actions doing? My routine became when I got home from work as a police officer, seeing the things that I saw and interacting with people in ways that were traumatic. I couldn't deal with the, the mind. I couldn't deal with the heart. I would go to prayer, and I'm like, that's not enough. And so I would drink. And then on January 27th, 2017, on my birthday, my son looks at me and says, Dad, is that bad for you? And I was online, yeah, probably. And he said to me, why do you do it? And in that moment, I heard the Lord saying, Jeff, why do you do it? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do it? And it's the same son who God used in 2005, April, to bring me to him. And the, the routine I had got blown up in that moment because God decided to step in. And let's be real clear. If you are struggling with something, and we'll talk about today, if you create the routine, you alone are not strong enough to break it. Otherwise, you would have already. So stop it. Stop making the excuses. Stop making the lies. And do what I did and go, yeah, I don't know. And I took in that moment all the alcohol that I had hidden around the house. And I dumped it out. 
And then I went and found some lemons. I had to cut them up because it was really a bad smell. And we had to grind them up in the garbage disposal. And I look over, and my sweet wife is looking back on the couch, and she has tears in her eyes. She never said one word to me about this. I wasn't leaving the house. But she never had said one word to me about, hey, this is a problem. All she did is stay consistent in prayer. And so her routine was to battle my flesh with the power of Christ. Amen? And then it takes the eyes and the heart of a child to show me where my path needs to be. Okay? And so with that, I'm here to tell you that I'm coming up on five years, not a drop of alcohol or tobacco. And it isn't about, listen, thank you, but it's not about, it's not about the, addiction, the addiction or about the, the victory as much as it's about who was the driver in that train. Because there have been some hard times ever since, people. Look around. Anybody lived through 2019? Anybody lived through 2020 as a police officer where everybody hated us? There's some stress there. Let me tell you what. And yet, we go back to the Lord. We go back to our foundation. And that's our routine. And so with that, I want to encourage you guys. If you are in a place, if you find yourself struggling, you have to understand Myself or Doug or whomever is up here speaking, if you find yourself in a place you don't understand how to get out of, you're, you're in good company. You're in good, co- you're in good company. You're with the people of God in his word that couldn't get out of it on their own, and they tried and tried again, over and over and over again, and they failed. So if you ever want to talk, talk to me. I know what it's like. But let's get back to the Bible, because he really knows what it's like. The author, God himself, through the life of Peter. So if you have your Bibles, please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're going to be talking today out of 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 21 and talk. This is going to make you probably laugh a little bit. Talk just for four little short verses. Now, originally, as you know, I could be a little long-winded. I had about 15 pages of notes ready to go. And I was excited. I had cut that down to 15. I was all excited. And then some people said, that's, that's a lot. Poor people. And then I cut it down. I was like, I got like 12 solid pages. So I only have, I think, like eight pages. So we're good to go. This is just bare bones with four verses. The, the richness of God's word will fill the pot. Okay? So the, the title from Resolution to, Res, to Regimen is really going to be unpacked today through our training thought. If you look on your notes, training thought, a clear purpose leads to intentional habits of living only for Jesus. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that. I want to offer this talking point to you. So on your notes that you got in your bulletin, turn them over and take a look at your first talking point. First talking point, what are some resolutions people make at New Year's? How's that end up going? And why is it so hard to stick to our routines? And I'm asking. So, so what are some of these, what are, as I hear my brother Tony laughing, it's because he knows exactly of some of these things. Tony, thanks for offering up an answer. What, what do you think, Tony? What are some of these resolutions that people make? Quit smoking. Ding. Legit. And how does that end up going? Say, say fine. It's good. It's good. We'll get to the, the last part of that in a second. Anybody else? What are some other resolutions we make? Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Hey, as it turns out, you know, when you're, when you're figuring out, like, how much time to take when you're lifting, how much time to take between sets is not a year. 
that's your gym problem right there, okay? That's not how you do it. So going to the gym, what else? What's that? Dieting. You're going to lose weight. You're going to eat better. You're going to whatever, right? What else? Who said that? Let it be a Griffin kid. There you go. <laughs> Running. Running. Yes, it's a resolution to make. That's right. And she claps. Yay. How sweet. Her, her knees don't hurt yet. That's nice. John. Reading more good books. How about this? Reading. Ding. Oh, you laugh. You laugh. And I won't go on to this too much, but you got to know for me, this is a sticking point. If you are not reading, what are you filling your time with? If you're going, brr, 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 or kids, where are we dropping, boys? Not okay. Pick up a book. The Bible, that's a good book. So, so we'll, 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 I don't know how you can end any better than that, so we'll, we'll kind of move on. But to all the routines that were brought up here, why is it so hard to stick with them? If we say, right, we say them and we, we came from a spot in our mind and our heart, why is it so hard to stick with these routines? Spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. What, what was the other one somebody said? Okay, so Debbie says we're trying to do it in our own strength by ourselves, But like going to the gym, you can't say, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out and get super strong and think that someone else will do it for you. Like you have to actually go. So there is that component of participation, right? Distraction. Commitment, distraction. The devil distracts us. Well, we actually don't need any help at all to my friend Jan. I don't need any help being distracted, guys. I'm not giving the devil that power. I'm horrible at that on myself. But say what you said again, sir? Accountability. Accountability. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with that idea because I'll tell you what, distraction and accountability. As I talk today, and you guys are taking notes, please draw yourself into the idea of the training thought that a clear purpose leads to intentional habits of living only for Jesus. Okay. If we're trying to do this on our own, like I said originally, if you could have fixed this on your own, you already would have. Right? And so people, they, they say, well, it's hard. Well, it's in the hard that you grow. It's in the hard that things get ripped away. It's when you're, we pray, Josh, Josh had said this through earlier, pray for opportunities. It's when you say to yourself and others, hey, I want to be available, Lord. I want to be available. But I got all these things going on in my day, right? I look at my little Google calendar and I got this going on, and somebody calls, and they say, I really need to talk to you. And you say, oh, yeah, brother or sister, I'm there for you. And all of a sudden, your day that began maybe at 3 a.m. gets to about 9 p.m., and the things you wanted to do, you just had no time to do. I'm guilty of that. You guys are guilty of that. At some point, though, some of us, some of you better than me, have said, whoa, wait, wait. What's the best yes? What's the best use of my time? So I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here because now I'm going to start getting on fire. So I'm going to unpack our training thought with three training truths today. Peter, in these verses, is going to talk through three training truths. The first one I've titled, Call to a Purpose, and we'll explore that through the first two verses. The second, Putting Purpose into Practice in 23 through 24. And lastly, Intentional Living Like Our Savior in verse 25. So if you haven't experienced the joy and the conviction and accountability of Peter, let me give you a little background, okay? So Peter is writing this first letter to persecuted Christians. 
persecuted Christians who had been living a life following what they heard through this man, Jesus Christ, uh, his travels, his healing, his miracles, his deliverance under the authorities, his crucifixion, they'd heard that he'd risen again. And now they're, they're waiting for what the next thing their eyes can see that their hearts haven't yet dealt with. They're waiting. And so in this time, the Roman Empire under Nero is just ravaging everyone. And because, and I've, I've done this history before, because Nero had done some very silly things and burned down half of Rome and didn't want to take accountability, he blamed the Christians. They did it. So now the Christian guys, girls, kids are all on the run. They're all dispersed. They're all scattered. They're all running for their lives. And so Peter authors this letter to this group of Christians as an encouragement, as a way to understand, look, you need to get this, that in the times that you are being persecuted and struggling, hold fast to the things you did first. He's reminding them of their routines. And so in this section, 21 through 25, my uh, pericope, my little thing in the Bible says, Christ is our example. I probably could just stop talking at that point. Christ is our example. Read your Bible. Talk to you later, right? But we're going to look a little bit deeper into that, okay? So, Verse 21 reads, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. Now, we're going to break into these verses, but first, do you know what your purpose is? Now, I'm not asking for responses, certainly not asking for a show of hands. I would say to you this, though, not in my notes, that if you're a small child and I ask you what's your purpose, you probably have, parents, a pretty clear, quick answer. Right? If you're hungry, what's your purpose? I'm going to eat. If you're bored, I'm going to do something. As we get older and we realize that life is more nuanced and there's more layers to what we can see, right? We figure, well, our purpose is going to be like, whatever I'm doing right now, I'll just keep doing. That must be my purpose. But I would encourage you that there's probably more. If you haven't thought about that, Consider what the words of the Bible say in 2 Timothy. You want to make a note of this. Don't turn there, but 2 Timothy 2.4 reads, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So anyone who has ever served in our military understands this, right? Military guys, you understand that this is your, you're told to do something, you do it. Police, fire, very similar responsibility. And everybody reports upwards to an authority until the final authority says, okay, well, I have the responsibility now to chart the course. Now, so ingrained is this intensity of battle that if you remember uh, the story of the marathon, right? The story of the marathon. So the Greeks had won a big battle over the Persians, and the soldier Pheidippides covered the distance of the battlefield to Marathon Greece to give the news of what happened. To give the news, because they didn't have social media, they couldn't IG it, right? They couldn't insta-tweet it, I think that's what the kids say. They couldn't do any of that stuff, so he ran. After battling, ran. Gave the news and died. Zoe, your New Year's resolution is running, right? <laughs> Just want to point that out. So, so when he gets there, he gives the news. It was his only purpose. His only, he, he gives the news and dies right there in the spot. Think about that. Think about that kind of commitment. He had a strong purpose, did he not? So many examples of people with purpose come to mind. The Fox Book of Martyrs, if you haven't read that. 
Jesus freaks, read that. You start reading these people, these men and women and kids who understood their purpose was Christ-driven and Christ-lived and then died for Christ. No question about their purpose. None whatsoever. <clears throat> Excuse me. So again, how do you discover and embrace your purpose this year? How do you discover and embrace your purpose? Our first point is called to a purpose, right? So think about this. I would submit to you that I'm going to give you two ways underneath this. First, look at some strong resolutions, but consider the purpose. If you look at in Matthew, Jesus is saying in Matthew 16, he says in the middle of Matthew 16, verses 11 through 16, he says, who do you say that I am? Remember that part? He's asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then in verse 23, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block for me if you're not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. In a couple verses, he got his purpose, and then he got off track, and he put his purpose on him, and now Jesus corrected him. In Luke, the disciples again, we're going to use the disciples a lot today because it mirrors what we do, right? In Luke 9, verse 46, and then it continues through Luke 9, an argument starts among the disciples on who's the greatest. And in verse, and, and, I'm sorry, chapter 22, it says, And there arose a dispute among them as to which one of them was to be regarded the greatest. Oh, and then later on in, in uh, verse 28, it says, You are those who have stood by me in trials. But he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. So Peter addressed as Simon what comes up next, right? No, you're going to deny me. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And do you remember what happens when he does that? Peter recognizes what happens and he weeps. It doesn't weep. He just weeps bitterly. He was called to a purpose. We are called to a purpose and we make strong resolutions as we talked about and then we walk away from them. So our strong resolutions is our first point. I would say that's, that's important to get to our purpose. Our second point I'm calling faith tested is faith revealed. And real faith then reveals purpose. So after all of that talk, how was the faith put into practice? The disciples again. Do you remember Thomas, his response when he hears from the rest of the disciples that Jesus showed up? He was here. What does he say? Ah, uh, unless I can put my hands in his hands and into his side, I don't believe him. And then we talked about Peter, his denial. Like the real faith comes out in the action of belief. But now let's look and see what our master Jesus said about this point. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew his resolution. He was the definition of faith. And in Matthew 4, on the temptation of Christ, Jesus says this, it is written. Jesus says this to Satan three times to drive his faith into action. It is written. No, no, it is written. This is written. Don't cry, little one, we got you. It is written. God's truth on our hearts is written. So when you are proclaiming some level of sin or some level of resolution not meant, it is written. Our Savior said it, he did it, he died for it, gave his spirit in you so you can do it. No excuses. Okay. Jesus continues and says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. This is in John 5. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. No clearer purpose is defined 
in Scripture than what we see and hear through the life and words of Jesus Christ. His purpose was to do the will of his Father. So what was that purpose then that Peter's referring to in verse 21? Well, the purpose that I would submit to you is the call for every Christian to live as a Christian even when undergoing these trials and persecutions. And that's really hard, and we've talked about some of these things already. So Peter uses verses 21 and 22 to encourage all the scattered Christians and shows them that they're called to one purpose. But it shows them that it wasn't just his words, but it was the words and life and example of Jesus. He's pointing them right to that right away. So now in 23 and 24, he's going to move into kind of a how-to breakdown of really how to live out that purpose. So our second training truth, I don't know where you guys are at, but we're in 1 Peter 2, verse 23 now. Before I read that, I want you to consider this. I heard this. I can't take credit for it, but I really like it, and it hammers this first po- or the second point home. Kids, show of hands. How many of you brush your teeth twice a day? Thank you, Zach. Kylie, well done. Twice a day. Tw- twice a day. Two times a day. Did you brush your teeth two times a day yesterday? If you brushed your teeth two times yesterday and didn't brush your teeth the rest of the year, would that be okay? Hey, you brushed your teeth twice a day? You did it. You did it. Thanks. Basically. Okay. How about this? Here's my point. You can brush your teeth twice a day once a week. You can brush your teeth twice a day once every two or three days. It still doesn't do anything for you or doesn't do what you hope it will like it will if you brush your teeth twice a day for a year. Would you agree? Your dentist would agree. Okay? It's the routine. It's the simple act of building a routine over and over and over again. And not saying to yourself, you know what, I don't have time to brush my teeth. Because if anyone has been around someone with stanky breath, you know that you want them to spend time brushing their teeth. I would support you brushing your teeth. You want to come five minutes late to the sermon, brush your teeth? Cool. All right? Brush your teeth. That's not the point of the message. A little extra for you. But similarly, I would tell you that pushing for family time only on Sundays because it's the Lord's day doesn't build healthy relationships with your spouse, doesn't build healthy time with your family. Spending an hour every day together of just that time where you can just talk, just an hour or just a half hour. Or you know what? For you empty nesters, what would it be like if you guys just spend an hour talking to somebody? What if you guys together as spouses, if you're single, what if you call a family member and spend just couple minutes every single day. That routine is what builds a healthy relationship. It comes, as someone said, that quality time does come in the midst of quantity time. It just does. Right? So consider consider that. Consider your words when you tell your family, I can't wait this year to go on a vacation. Now I'm going to work really, really, really hard to get the money to go on a vacation. And and I'm not really going to see you guys but it's okay, it's totally okay, because we're going to go on this great five-day vacation. And after 10 months of never seeing your family, never talking to your wife, you know, like high-fiving your kids on the way, doing different things, never seeing them, you're like, let's go to the vacation. And they're looking at you like, we don't even know you or want to spend time with you. Think about that. Although this isn't a family relationship thing, I think God's word applies all around. And if we're going to put our purpose into practice, which is the second point, we need to think about that. 
And lastly, I'll say this. If you dive bomb into the word of God, like I'm going to read God's word right up. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 7 hours, and then maybe you do, don't do it again for another month. It won't build the routine as much as you spending 10 minutes every single day. Opening up the inspired words of God, who, as Kylie's saying, is ever almighty in your life. It, if your purpose is to check the box on that task, don't do it. I, I said don't read the Bible. Well, what I'm saying is don't read the Bible if you're just like, I checked that, that off. And so you can tell your pastor or your wife or your kids, did you read the Bible? I read the Bible. And 10 minutes later it was about, I don't know, but I totally read it. I got my U Bible and I, I hit that little thing and it changed color and suddenly I feel really good about that, right? Real relationship with your Savior comes from daily time spent in prayer, his word, and then thinking about how to transform his truth into application in your life. That's, that's a routine worth following. So let's go back and to see what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23 and 24 says. Verse 23, and while being reviled... He did not revile in return. While suffering, Jesus, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Amen. There's your how-to right there, right? Peter's Christians, the men and the women, they were being questioned and persecuted relentlessly all the time. They were treated like social outcasts from both Jewish culture and certainly from the Roman culture. In fact, he even wrote down, Peter uses the life of Christ to show them that they need to control their speech. Uh, no payback when they were wrong. We need to trust in God and not man. And that Jesus died with our sins so that we could be righteous before God. Like, that is the theme everywhere in the Bible. And he's just bringing this up again to remind them the routines that you built, that built into you, that you are building your life on, are real. And keep them up. So... Under this section of, I've called putting purpose into practice, think of these two fixes. Can trusting our purpose lead to practice that leads to good habits? Can trusting our purpose, my, my brother Mo knows better than most. If you haven't heard his story, I would encourage you, not during my sermon, to go talk to him. Maybe during fellowship, he'll ask this man about, can uh, having good practice lead to good habits? And can that fulfill God's purpose? I think you'll be surprised. Let's see what shouldn't surprise us in the Bible. If you want to make a note, I'm going to talk a little bit about Luke 10 right now. Luke 10, verses 1 and 2, and then 17. And it reads, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And in verse 17, the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. So did the disciples have a strong purpose from Jesus? Yeah. Did, did they trust that purpose? Yeah, then. Well, when they returned, they were so completely amazed that the name and power of Jesus was in control of every moment of their lives that they just wanted to continue the work. Did, did they want to stop? Absolutely not. Because the positive outcomes they got made them crave that even more, right? They had this response. They're like, Lord, we're doing these things and, and we can do whatever you want us to do. What else you got for us? 
So for you people that are taking a year rest in between sets of the gym, how about just going for a walk to start your workout and not a five-hour workout on day one? How about instead of saying to me, well, Jeff, I'm going to read this year. You know what? I'm going to read the entire book of Leviticus before breakfast. That's all about routines and practice and habits, right? And then they read that, and then they are like, I can't believe that this is here, and they never read anything again. How about doing what we talk about? We have a In the Word Today on our website. It comes right into your inbox. It's, we have our stuff in the bulletin there. You know what the readings are going to be. How about spending 10 minutes, 15 minutes every morning when you get up? How about doing that every day, reading God's Word with the community and the context of redeemed believers so that we all can start thinking about these conversations together? And then when my man Tony calls up and says, hey, I'm stopping smoking, I'm like, really? Because, and I can bring in some of the truth that God showed us in the reading together. How about that as a routine? It's a pretty good routine. So the second part of this would be, well, how did, how did those disciples purpose bring those habits into action? Later on in Luke 12, Jesus tells them what to do. In Luke 12, through 34, Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts, which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, no, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Paul reminds us again in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. So you can see, if we're called to a purpose, and the disciples and Jesus listed what that purpose was, and then we're trying to figure out how to put our purpose into practice, we saw what the disciples and then Jesus did, then we have a good roadmap. We have a purpose and we have a how-to. So with that, turn over your notes to the second talking point. I got to go into the like New Year kind of normal thing we're asking people to do, but it just makes so much sense to me. It makes so much sense. That's the second talking point. What is one practice to put your purpose into action that you can do each day? Write it on a card and... <laughs> Give it to another person to help you walk with pur- purpose before you leave church today. Oh, for those of us who have done this before, your SMART goals, right? Your time-bound goals. Today, by the end of your fellowship meal, today. And honestly, if you don't do it today before you leave church, please do it today. Please do it by, how about this? I'll give you a little grace. Do it before next Sunday. My wife and I do this a lot, and the things that I think she's not going to catch, she's like, no, no, you said you would do this. And it's not take the trash out. It's not that stuff, right? Bigger things. If you have a way to put the purpose that God's calling in your life into action, write it down. The act of writing it down means it's real. It means you can't hide from your thoughts anymore, people. My dinner table has post-it notes all over where I sit. And it just reminds me, like, that's there, right? Write it down. Give it to somebody else, and they will commit to checking on you, right? For those of you who have been checking on me and doing different things, I appreciate you. I want you to know that. So Peter shows a life of purpose for the Christians, and and he shows them through Jesus how their purpose can look like his as you regularly focus on the mission. The last verse in verse 25 shows how we provide the goal of the focus that we're called to have. So our third training truth, I'm titling Intentional Living Like Our Savior in verse 25. So remember, we're called to a purpose, 
And then we're going to look how to put that purpose into practice so that we can have intentional living like our Savior. Verse 25 reads, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is the why for Peter. We have the what and then the how to, but this is the why. This, this is really why he was inspired to author this section, I believe. It, even with strong purpose put into practice, the Christians still fail. They still sin routinely. And guess what? We still fail and sin routinely. As sealed, sealed believers, we still fail and sin routinely. Peter reminds us that Jesus is the shepherd who guides. He's the guardian of our souls. He never allows us to fall to the position we have because we're saved by grace. We don't, we don't lose our position. I've talked to people, even in this church, mostly outside of the church from, from different walks of faith, who say, if you do this, then. If this, then. If this, then. I'm a recovering Catholic. I was raised that way. If, then. If, then. If, then. And there's a thought that you can lose your position. Grace given, you can lose it. And then what do you do? You have to earn it back again. How horrible is that? If you sit here believing that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Once you are saved by grace through faith, you are saved and sealed forever. Amen? Amen. And if you can't trust that one simple truth, that everything else we talk about, everything in God's word will be confusing to you and scary. You wonder why from 2020 to now, uh, antidepressant meds and anxiety pills are up and why people are like, I can't deal with my life. As I was telling a brother at work the other day, do you realize that within the past two weeks, 12 officers around our country have taken their own life? 12! 12 people! It's 12 too many, she says. Well, you know, this certainly isn't a, a conversation about mental health, except everything in the Bible would tell you that trusting your position means that your here and now doesn't define your there and then. Your there and then is defined by who God says you are. And so what are we doing? What are we doing? Intentional living like our Savior as Jesus is the guardian, we can look at what Paul says first. He says, like, live the intentional life. Now I'm going to use a, a section out of Acts. And there's just some different parts. I'm, I won't give you, there's a lot of verses, and for the sake of time, I'll summarize. Paul in Acts, this is the section later on in Acts, Paul was committed to intentional living for the gospel. And apart from Christ, I think you guys, we've said it, Pastor Doug said it from here before, he is the single person that's moved the gospel farthest than Jesus Christ more than anyone in history. Because his single-minded focus every day from place to place and from building tents to building tents, from being thrown out of a city dead, God's like, I'm not done with you. So he gets up and goes, hey, I know, I'm going to go back to the same city and talk more. It was all about Jesus all the time. Our best example, though, about living intentionally comes from our master, Jesus himself. So we see in Mark 1, I'm going I'm to read this to you. Mark 1, and this is verses 21 through 38. I'll summarize some of this. Jesus was in the town. He was healing and teaching in a synagogue, as was his habit. Okay? When he left, now, he was teaching and healing all day, well into the night. So he left, and if you know the section, what it says is he, he went off alone to be with his father and to pray. When he left, the entire surrounding area came. Surround, the whole area, everybody heard about it because we wanted to be healed. We wanted it right now. Heal us right now. 
the whole area came looking for him for healing. And he did that. But he took time after all that to reset. Even while people were waiting, he was getting back to his purpose. Remember, he said, I don't do anything apart from what my Father in heaven has me do. He was resetting his purpose with his Father being alone. And now the disciples find him, right? And they're like, Jesus, let's go. The whole world is looking for you. What are you doing? And you're sitting there going, can you imagine? I know, Cindy's face is perfect. Like, can you imagine saying that to Jesus? I dare you to say, no, you can't. We do it all the time. God puts a relationship, a conversation, an encounter, an experience, a divine appointment. You call it what you want. All the time he puts it in front of us and we're like, no, 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 no. But I have this to do first. I'll tell you what, why don't you IG me and we'll get together for coffee. That's, you know what Jesus says? Let me tell you what Jesus says. He says, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also for that is what I came for. Read that again in case you guys didn't get the enormity of that. Let us go somewhere else. After being wildly praised and honored and treated like the king he was for healing and preaching, he says, let us go somewhere else to towns nearby that I haven't heard of them maybe so that I can preach there also for this is what I came for. What did you come here for? What did you come here today for? Why, why, why here? Why now? And as our pastor says, hey, guess what? If not you, who? And if not now, when? You were saved by grace through faith, those of you who are called Christians, under God's providence, God's election, God's timing. Why do we try to take that back from him? We're called to a purpose. we got to put our purpose into practice so that we can have intentional living with our Savior. And we see that with the words of Christ. Jesus laid out his purpose to the disciples. Peter was their leader. And he brought that purpose in this small section in his first letter to encourage the intentional living that he was preaching and living out. So with that, we can see now that as 2023 starts, I want to invite the music team up, and I want to invite those who are going to be preparing our table for communion to start working through that. But the best resolution and the best example that we could ever have was shown by Peter through the life of Christ. If you remember, I started the message today with our training time, right? In our training time, I talked about the Heidelberg Catechism. And I even caught in some of the cross chatter with uh, one of my brothers saying, I remember that. We had to, we had an hour after school, and then we had to clear after doing catechism, and then the public school kids could come in, and they could do stuff. And until eighth grade, I had to go through all that as well. So I remember what it was like to monotonously repeat things I didn't believe in. But when I was saved by grace through faith and put my heart and trust in Jesus Christ, then put him in front of where I wanted to be, these routines became reality. So I would encourage you again, simply take a look at, you have 52 ways through that catechism. And I know our, my brother Adam and his family ministry has put out stuff. If you're not on the email distribution list, please sign up because some of the things that the men and women are putting out here in the church are amazing, really amazing. And you can see intentional living and how to help our families become intentional in chasing 
chasing the joy and purpose of Jesus. We're in the second week now. I read to you one of the first questions for the first week. You can seek it on your own. You could spend 10 minutes reading one of the questions together over dinner. You could ask your, your spouse or your kids, hey, would you read? What do you think about that? You could take a week and figure out why does what written, is written here matter? Is it true? You could lead your family by drawing them back into God's word. You know what? I don't know. Let's look it up. You could do all of that. Or you could do nothing. And at midnight on December 31st, you could say, ah, oh, I really didn't do the things I want to do this year. That's true. People do what people want to do. Let's be a church that wants to chase Jesus. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for giving us again and again and again a routine of truth that comes out of strong doctrine and your spirit in your word. Thank you that you have inspired the men and the women and the, the character stories in the Bible to show that even with our best efforts, we still fall short. Even the man after your own heart, David, said that I, I looked onto myself and it all went bad. And when he looked back on you, you made all things right because your word says you make all things new. We're in a new year, Lord. We're at the first part of, of another opportunity to say, I didn't get it right. Lord, make it right. Or, or I, I, I didn't say the thing I wanted to say. I didn't, I didn't push into my marriage. I didn't raise my kids as they left the house. I, I didn't take an opportunity to say that one kind word to somebody in need. I didn't do that. But Lord, now you're giving us opportunity to show that we can. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not too late. It's not too late if you stop doing something you said on the first, just because it's the eighth and you stop. It's not too late to say, wait, what are the real routines I need to be doing? What are the reasons that you broke me from this, Lord? Maybe so I can spend more time with you. Lord, I pray that there is an unquenchable hunger in the hearts of the people that hear my voice today. And that there is almost this, this, this thirst that can't be satisfied until they come to the living water. I pray that there are men and women that in accountability walk with one another in this church. That they say, I'm not willing to watch you suffer, brother. Let's walk this together. And that faith turns into practice. And the practice turns into habits. And the habits turn into relationship, living intentionally for you. And all God's people said, amen.